As nurses, we bring with us our full selves to nursing, and sometimes our journeys to nursing can take some really interesting paths. I'm joined today by Marilyn Krasafi, whose path has included both nursing and a legal career. And we're going to talk about the intersection between the legal aspects of nursing, as well as how her path has informed the nursing care she delivers today. Hi, and welcome to Nurse Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast where we discuss all things nursing, from patient care to advancing your career to navigating tough on-the-job issues. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Carol Pahatsky, Associate Chief Nursing Officer of Surgical Services Nursing. Today's topic, we're talking about legal issues in nursing, and you know, it's been a long time since I was in nursing school, but I still remember one of my professors, uh, as we were talking about legal issues in nursing, saying to us as a class, it's not a matter of if you will interact with your hospital's legal department, it's a matter of when. And for me, all those years ago, it took a topic I was already pretty intimidated and scared by and made it that much scarier. My mind went right to, well, at the time, it wouldn't have been LA Law, but it would have been one of those legal type shows where you automatically go to being in a witness chair or things like that. And that's where my brain went. And here we are 20 years later, and that professor wasn't wrong. I have interacted with the legal department across my career, but it's always been so positive and such a good interaction and not scary at all. Sometimes it's been the legal department reaching out to me or the teams I lead with questions. Sometimes it's been me reaching out to whoever's on call with a, we've looked at the policy, we're not sure what to do. And Every time the resounding answer back from our legal department has been, thank you for calling. We'd always rather address an issue before than after it happens. So it is my great pleasure today to be joined by Marilyn Krasafi. She's a nurse at Cleveland Clinic Lutheran Hospital's Behavioral Health Float Pool. And Marilyn is a nurse with us, but has a journey that sort of came towards nursing and then a bit away from nursing and then back to nursing again. So thank you for joining me today, Marilyn. It's my pleasure, Carol. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Would you mind telling our audience a little bit about your journey to get us kicked off? Of course. Well, I was a pre-med English major, ah. so let's just throw another wrench into the gear there. <laughs> but when I started to realize that medicine was not going to be my career, I did go to nursing school and loved it. I love nursing. I love taking care of patients. But in the background was my father, who was a lawyer, saying, mm. now, when are you going to law school? <laughs> Again, when, not if, right? right exactly. <laughs> I guess maybe that's a, a maybe persistent that's theme in law. But <laughs> So after 18 months of wonderful nursing, I did come back to Cleveland. I had been at Centera Norfolk General in Virginia oh, okay. and went to Cleveland State. I like to brag that I got my... JD and MRS about the same year. I, I did meet my husband in law school and we, we did get married. It's been wonderful. But I will tell you that out of law school, I worked the dark side. So for any of the you who, who are, are legal savvy, at least for the, the nurses and healthcare workers, the dark side's the plaintiff's bar. And I'm not going to say anything negative about the plaintiff's bar. You know, we give good care. And if they think we don't, then, you know, we come to the table and we mm -hmm. figure it out. But it gave me a really good perspective about how the plaintiff's bar operates. Now, this was many years ago, so maybe things have changed. But finally, I did get a job defending hospitals and nurses oh, and doctors. Okay. So both Very, sides. Yeah. Wow. Well, most of my career was in, in defense, and I mm. and I really enjoyed defending my peers and making them feel comfortable about what was coming and trying to make them realize 
you are a good nurse. Here's what happened mm-hmm. in this situation, and here's how we're going to tell a jury about what unfolded. Hmm. And that way, with that perspective, I think the individual witnesses or whomever I was able to assist in representation felt more comfortable about the process. A lot of the process is explaining what's going to happen. And that professor you were talking about, (laughs) instead of explaining, here's how things go, and the reason we have a legal department is to make sure we're giving the best care possible. Yes. If you're not giving the best care possible, that's when you run into legal issues. So either that's because we're human beings and human beings are prone to make mistakes and that's why we have insurance. We're always sad when something untoward happens. It's always an uncomfortable and a sad situation, but being human, we recognize it happens. One thing I very much like about Cleveland Clinic is the just culture Mm -hmm. and realizing all those things I just said. And we want to speak up when things happen, not only to make sure things don't get worse, but to prevent them in the future if right. possible, and to make the individual caregiver recognize you are a human being. This thing happened. You are still a good nurse, and mm, let's let's yes. go on to the next step. Do yes. you need counseling? Sure. Do you need to see somebody? Are you having flashbacks? Are you know something like that? Is is that going on? So I did defense for many many years. I can't say I enjoyed trial. No one enjoys trial, but Went through that, got quite a few defense verdicts, which was great. But then I had four children in five years, and I retired. Oh, oh my. Okay. (laughs) Jumping ahead just a little bit. But that does take me to an important part of the story, and that is I stayed home to raise my children. I did some volunteer work in nursing homes here Mm. and there and with my church. But the main thing I thought was important at that time in my life was to make sure those four little beings got a good home, good home education. You know, we read Goodnight Moon many times <laughs> and many books in the house. And then when my last child got her license and didn't need me anymore, <laughs> I really wanted to go back to nursing more okay. than I wanted to go back to law. Oh, wow. It would have been tough, I think, to get back into a legal career. I don't have clients. I don't sure. have yeah. you know, a book of business to bring with me. And Nursing just called me back, and the interesting timing was it called me back six months before the pandemic. Oh, my. So figure that for what you will. But but here I am. You know, I think the clinic kind of looked at my experience working in nursing homes as a volunteer and thought, you Mm. know, I think GeroPsych is a place for you, and that's where I went. That's fantastic. What a great example of some of you listening might be... In nursing school, some of you might be thinking about going to nursing school and you've, you've got a different career. And, and no matter who we are, we as nurses bring our whole life with us. We do. And it sounds like you certainly didn't leave your nursing in a closet when you moved on to raise a family and to be a lawyer. We bring it with us yes. and we bring our life with us when we come to this profession. Yes, we do. I would be remiss if I didn't say at this point that, yes, Marilyn is not part of the legal department, so we're going to talk in generalities, but of course. Um, obviously, listeners, if you have very specific questions, look at your State Practice Act, talk to your local legal department to make sure that you're following what's expected of you and your organization and state. Absolutely. I do not give legal <laughs> advice. I'm no. a registered yes. nurse. <laughs> and we would not ask that of you, but I am sure when your colleagues find out that you have a career as a lawyer in the past, what sort of things are they coming to you with? Oddly, the most frequent question I get is, can you notarize something for me? <laughs> and the other thing I get quite a bit is, should I do a SERS? And I'm always saying yes, because the SERS is our way 
if you're concerned about something, let's bring it to the forefront. If something has come to your mind that you think you should do a SERS about, let's put some other eyes on it and mm -hmm. see what other people think. You may be overreacting, great. Or maybe there's something we need to know about so that we can make a change for patient safety in the future. So I always err on the side, if you have an issue, go ahead, do a SERS, let someone else make an opinion on it too. That's what we call it here at Cleveland Clinic. It stands for Safety Event Reporting System. Right. But so for our listeners, that advice holds true no matter what your organization calls it. If there's a question in your mind, these are non-punitive ways that right. people can report, can indicate something didn't quite go right, or it could have gone wrong and didn't. And you've said it perfectly. You can take a look at it and see if there's something different that needs to happen. So Please. I, as a behavioral health float, I work with people who sometimes have mental illnesses mm -hmm. that are due to brain chemistry, and we have medications that can help them regain yeah. better function. However, as a person who comes in and refuses meds, we can't get them to where they can make good decisions. So we don't force meds unless they are a threat to themselves or someone else. Then mm -hmm. we do have a couple medications just to get them safely out of harm's way. But a routine force med takes a court decision, yes. either as the guardian, if the patient has a guardian who can make decisions for them, or if that's something that has to be set up. But a nurse, at least where I work mm -hmm. at Cleveland mm -hmm. Clinic, we do not take it upon ourselves no. <laughs> to make that decision. That's not a nursing yes. decision. Yes, There are many factors involved in that. And once the uh, powers that be make that decision, then you know, under very set specific circumstances, we can give set specific medications. And what I will say is while my first few times giving a force med, it felt very against everything I stand for as an RN, you know, to give compassionate care. I've seen wonderful right. things mm -hmm. come mm -hmm. to patients who were not themselves for yes. a while. Yes. And after their brain chemistry is back to a place where they can make good decisions for themselves, they're able to live very good lives. And so the forced med issue is one that's got legal sensitivities and caregiver sensitivities, sure. but it's been thought through by care providers and lawyers and doctors and a whole team of people to get to a decision. So when a nurse gets to that point, it's something she should take seriously, sure. but understand that the purpose is to get somebody healthy. And a great example of if the paperwork doesn't seem to line up or there's any question, it's a great opportunity to call the provider, to call your legal team. Pick up the phone. <laughs> Pick up the phone Pick and say, phone. help me understand this. Right. And most likely it has been put together, but a great example of ask the question first. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a good policy. If you're not sure, ask somebody. So to sort of go down that same path for a little bit, we know that in that course of the care for patients, you know, you, you mentioned so eloquently the compassion for the patient who will be once their medications work, et cetera. We know that unfortunately sometimes that also involves the laying on of hands, yes. right? We have somebody who's confused. We right. have somebody who's trying to hurt us right. or somebody else, somebody who might end up needing restraints, unfortunately. Right. So any thoughts around that and how to help a nurse reconcile that, making sure we're being safe and we're documenting appropriately, but again, protecting that patient from hurting themselves. Absolutely. So a physical hold requires an order. Mm -hmm. But our obligation first is to patient safety. Mm -hmm. So if we find ourselves in a situation, which is true more than occasionally on mm -hmm. behavioral health, where a patient is suddenly enraged or depressed, threatens himself or somebody else with an object, 
our first obligation isn't to the chart, but to the patient. So we do what we need to do to make that patient and the patients around that patient yes. safe. Yeah. And if that requires laying on of hands, we do that till we get the patient to a safe place, either by medication or in some occasions, mm -hmm. restraints. And then we immediately involve the doctor. I've had such good experience at Cleveland Clinic. They show up almost immediately mm -hmm. to assess the situation, write the orders that are appropriate for the situation, and make sure everything's in order. You will hear nurses complain, oh, there's so much documentation, mm. but there is for a reason, <laughs> yeah. not just to keep the lawyers happy, but because we <laughs> want to make sure we're giving that patient appropriate care while they are restrained, either chemically with medications or physically with restraints. And we should not hesitate to lay on hands or to get a physical hold order or what we need to do to keep patients and our other patients safe, but we need to follow up appropriately. And yeah. the clinic has beautiful policies and flow sheets to, to make sure we're able to do that easily and well. Beautifully. So to talk a little bit more broadly and protection in a different aspect, but when we think about nursing in general, what advice do you have for, especially a new nurse that says, well, what can I do to quote, protect my license or to protect right. myself? Right. The best protection is good nursing care. <laughs> yeah. If you come to work You've had your breakfast or dinner if you're a night shift. Yep. You're well hydrated. You're well rested. You come in. You're ready to do your work. You're going to do a good job 90% of the time. There's always those 10% of unpredictable situations. So let's talk about the 90%. Okay. If, if you come yeah. in and the clinic hires well-educated, well-rounded nurses and you're ready to go, you're going to have a good day if you... Follow the standard of care, right. use your policies, ask if you mm -hmm. don't know. If you're a new nurse, stake out your most experienced your nurse buddy. that yes. shift <laughs> if you have a question so you know where to go. But if you have a question, ask. Yes. And if you find that medication errors happen, it's part of life. If you find you've made a medication error, don't hide it. Go to that go-to person mm -hmm. right away. I was supposed to give a unit of insulin. I gave two. What do I do? And mm -hmm. they'll talk you through what to do. Yes. If it's something more severe, you need to call a rapid or a code or whatever. You do that mm -hmm. because, remember, our first obligation is to the patient. And while we might be scared or frightened or whatever our first inclination is, patient care has to come first. Or even if you are frightened, doing the wrong thing isn't going to make that any no. better in the long run. No. So we do the best we can. We mm -hmm. ask for help. If things go wrong, there are steps we take to remedy that and to document it so that yes. we can learn from it. Yeah. Speaking up, you know, there's a previous episode on speaking up that mostly focuses on when we're concerned about what's around us. But it, it does take courage, but it's so important to speak up when we are the ones that have done something that wasn't perhaps per protocol. I yeah. agree with that. So safe to say then that the old phrase, if it's not documented, it's not done, is always good advice. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Now, I will talk just a second about charting by exception. Mm, um, yeah, I, okay. I work in a unit where we must write a note every day. Okay. And I also work on a unit where we don't write a note unless. Mm. So on the unit where we don't write a note unless is dependent on flow sheets where there are specific sure, things we document. Way to capture the care that's yes, been delivered. Okay. Yes. Yes. And that's the preferred way on that unit. And I honor that. I'm a float. If I'm in a place that requires a note, I write my note focused on what is the patient here for? What mm -hmm. are we trying to address? Yes. And how are we doing? I try to get those things in my note. Sometimes I can make a conclusion based on what I see 
the patient spends the whole day in the room, I'll say the patient's been withdrawn. <laughs> yeah. Other times it's easier to get a picture of what's going on by giving a quote. Sometimes the patient yes. will say something. Why do you ask? I'm doing fine. I just wish those people from the FBI weren't here all the time watching behavior me. Behavioral health especially. Right. Yes, you're yeah. going to have great. <laughs> so, so making a quote, putting that yes. quote in the patient's record mm-hmm. helps everyone understand where the patient is yes. without having to make story. my own conclusion. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. But yeah, I think if you do something for the patient that's important to the outcome, I'll just say patient's seen raising wheelchair to throw it at another patient, code violet called, this and that happened during the code violet, patient given this medication with good effect, this and that happened, and then follow up. What yes. happened an hour later? Yes. Is yeah. the patient still right. um, threatening patients? <laughs> yeah, it's not just documenting the first time it right. was done, but well, the follow-up. And, and yeah. the follow-up. How yes. did it turn out? Mm-hmm. One of the most frustrating things for me, and I don't mean to, to skip ahead, but If I was looking over a record and I saw beautiful documentation, but the documentation was MD paged, MD paged, MD paged. And it's like, well, that's wonderful that you paged the physician, but what did you do when when you saw that wasn't working and the patient wasn't improving? Back to my wheelchair example, how did the patient do after that medication? Was that a good choice for him? Was he calm the rest of the shift? Do a quick little follow-up note to let us know, you know, how did the story end? Tell the story. Tell the story. Yes. Tell the story just so we know how everything worked out. Yes. Yeah. Even in a charting by exception, you have to be able to tell that story and close that loop so that somebody else could look at that and have the full picture of what happened before, during, and after. I like that phrase, closing the loop. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Excellent. So we'll go back to our friends who are in nursing school or they're brand new nurses. We've all been there. But life is a lot different as a new nurse than it was clear back when I was a new nurse and we were documenting on paper and social email was in DOS form. So (laughs) my question for you is, what are some pitfalls these days a new nurse could find themselves in? And and both as an experienced nurse and someone who has practiced law, what's your advice for them? Two things come to mind. Mm -hmm. First, find that buddy when you walk in, when you walk in for a report, find your go-to person. That's really important. And in some situations, it might be the unit secretary who's been there forever. Sure. <laughs> they the know unit, how to make things work. <laughs> do not shortchange Ever. the unit secretary. <laughs> they have the bird's eye on the whole unit. Yep. They see who comes and goes. They see who needs to be paged. They see families They've come and go. They've already paged the person They've for right. you practically before <laughs> so, you get to the so desk. True. Yes. <laughs> it's like, Peggy, page, I've just paged security. I don't know if you, I'm like, no, yes, that was that, it. Thank that's you. That's what I wanted. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and the other thing is new nurses I see coming in tend to have their phones handy. Now, interestingly, mm. I had a phone when I came back to nursing and I left it in my locker with my purse. And then I realized a lot of these nurses need the calculator on the phone. Boom, sure. it's right there. They yeah. have their calculator or, you know, they can look up a policy like on Rover. Mm-hmm. They can look mm-hmm. up policies on Rover. They can do a lot of things on Rover. But one thing that's very important is to get out of the habit of reaching for the phone when something entertaining happens. You're not at home. Oh, my gosh. You're not in your yard. You are in a professional organization taking care of somebody at their sickest, at their worst, at their most needy. They don't need you to have your phone out. (laughs) 
whether you're actually taking a picture or making a meme or texting. appearance of impropriety is as bad as the actual act. It's true. Yeah. So leave your phone in your pocket unless you're at the nurse's station figuring out a calculation or you're on your rover and you're scanning a med, something like that. It's going to keep you safe. It's going to keep the patient safe. We just don't need social media mixing with our careers. Mm. We deal with highly sensitive information and it needs to stay where it is for a lot of reasons. So yeah, leave leave your phone in your pocket unless you're doing something (laughs) professional with it. Well, I think that sentence is really important. I think people think that there's such things as downtime at work where they can pull out their phone and look at social media, even if they're not interacting with it, and all those things have a timestamp. Right. Well, if you're at lunch and you sure. want to pull out your yeah. phone or you're taking your 15 and you are yeah. in a private staff area, you can go ahead. But I will tell you, coming in to my shift when I see caregivers on their phones, it not only tells me you're not taking care of patients, it tells me you're not paying attention. Right. So, And the other thing is we don't need patients thinking that you're... <laughs> That you're doing Even something if you, inappropriate. Yeah, you're looking up a medication. It's that appearance of, why are you on your phone? Right. Aren't you right. paying attention right. to me? Exactly. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Just leave it in your pocket. And, and if you're on behavioral health, we have a wonderful tool called the rounding phone. And one of the parts of our orientation is to explain this to the patients. Oh, okay. why, so they why know. does that nurse have yeah. her phone if I can't have <laughs> <Right>. my phone? <laughs> sure. And we explained that's one of our tools. It's called yeah. the rounding tool. And it's a way for us to check in that we've laid eyes on you every 15 minutes. And that gives them peace of mind in two ways. One, they know we're not on our phone right. or talking about them as you we look, look at right. them. Yeah. We're charting that we see you and you look okay. And the other thing is some of the patients that may come in with apprehension, we're not following you. We're not checking right. up on you because yes. we're nosy. Yeah. It's something that's part of our protocol to keep you safe, mm-hmm. that we need to lay eyes on you every 15 minutes. So that being part of our orientation, it, it helps to yes. spell a lot of difficulties. Well, and I think it's a great nugget of wisdom for all of us. That as, as increasingly we use the Epic app on a phone, perhaps, or other technology, is really being candid with our patients about that, whether it's behavioral health or not, that right. this is a technology I use. Yes. This is why I'm focusing on it, but I'm never focusing more on it than you. Right. Yeah. Well, I could talk to you all day, but we're running out of time. So I want to flip a little bit to some of our fun speed round questions at the end, if you don't mind. Not at all. Um, So this is a new question to the speed round for those of you who've been listening. But the planning committee that I'm so blessed to work with on these, we've started talking about the topic of is nursing a calling or is it a career? So you are my first guinea pig. I'm wondering... If you have any thoughts on that for you, was nursing a calling or was it a career or maybe a little bit of both? Oh, you made it hard. I thought you were going to say, is it a job or a career? And I was <laughs> going to say, it's not a job, it is a career. But you know what? I have to tell you, nurses are still the most trusted profession. Mm-hmm. And I think it's either 10 or 20 years coming now that, yep. we've, that we have earned that designation. And it isn't because it's our job. And I don't even <laughs> think it's because our, uh, it's our career. In the past 20 or 30 years, nurses have elevated themselves to a professional grade, and we are professionals. Nursing is a profession, but I think because of everything we see and do and say and the trust that we have with our patients, uh, who are also our clients and those we care for, it has to be a calling. We have to be able to say, I am called to do this. Mm. I am called to deliver bad news if I need to. I am called to be there and hold someone's hand if a caregiver has bad news to share with the patient. Mm -hmm. I am, I am called to convince that 
elderly dementia patient that I am not there to harm him, oh but to gosh, help yeah. him. Mm-hmm. I am I am called if it, if need be to to take an accidental blow to the shoulder or <laughs> something, you know. But yeah. because. Yeah. If that was someone's job, they wouldn't do it. Mm. And if you're called, it's part of your calling. I may have had a long night and I may have had difficult patients or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to say, but I do like making people feel better, whether it's behavioral health or something on a medical unit. Even if I go back and I do my pain reassessment, hey, did that Tylenol help you at all? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Excellent. And then last question, real easy. Ha ha. What brings you joy? Got a lot of faith stuff in my background. Okay. So when I bring my faith to my job, mm-hmm. I don't talk about it, but I it's bring it with me. Yeah. It's personal for me. And I like people to be able to know my faith background by how I'm taking care of them, not by anything I say. If I've had to talk to people about it, I, you know, I'm, I'm no witness at all. So it brings me joy to be able to bring my whole faith into the whole person and to be able to use that to take care of the person's body, their mind, their emotional health and their psychological health. Well, Marilyn, I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and all sorts of things with our audience. Thank you, Carol. As always, thanks so much for joining us for today's discussion. Don't miss out. Subscribe to hear new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, we want to hear from you. Do you have ideas for future podcasts or want to share your stories? Email us at nurseessentials.com at ccf.org. To learn more about nursing at Cleveland Clinic, please check us out at clevelandclinic.org slash nursing. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or legal advice. Consult your local state boards of nursing for any specific practice questions.